so much of what we hear today from our secular media is often only bad news. It can be depressing. The secular media, it only tells us what people are doing around the world and people aren't doing so well. The 360 Serve podcast exists to tell you what God is doing around the world. And God is doing great things, awesome things, exciting things. So welcome to the 360 Serve podcast. 360 Serve is about a new way to do missions. We help you support indigenous church planners who are powerfully reaching their own countries for Christ in many of the least reached areas in our world today. The 360 Serve podcast exists to interview and share the stories of these indigenous church planners who are leading the charge, reaching their countries for Christ. I'm Mark Tyler, and it's so good to have you with us today. And today, we're going to hear such a heart-wrenching and beautiful story that will bless you and encourage you, and maybe you need that today. You're going to receive that today. Pastor Daniel is our church planning movement leader in Uganda, and he's going to share his story growing up as an orphan in Uganda and how he heard the good news and how Jesus completely transformed his life. Here is Pastor Daniel's story. Well, welcome back to our 360 Serve podcast, and it's so exciting to have you with us. I'm again with Pastor Daniel from Uganda, and I'm so excited about this segment because this is going to be on Pastor Daniel's story, how he came to Christ, and it truly is amazing. And so, Pastor Daniel, it's a joy to have you back with us, and if you would, share with us about the story of how you came to the Lord. I just want to thank God for this time that the Lord has given unto me to share my story with each and every one. Uh, I was born in a family of uh, probably 33 to 37 uh, children. I'll tell you that because my father did not give me the right number or did not give us the right number of children because he had multiple women. And some of the children, we've never seen them. Others were born and left in all those other different places. We only hear of them eh, that there are some brothers in Kenya, some of your brothers are in Tanzania, some of your brothers are in, uh, in Rwanda. But because my father was a trailer driver, so he could go and have some stopovers in different areas, in different countries, and then he would go and spend time and marry or have you know, marriage with some other women and they would end up getting all those other children. So, but my mother had seven children and out of the seven, um, the I was the second last out of the seven and raising up in, uh, raising up in my uh, father's home uh, uh, at the age of eight, uh, my father and my mom separated uh, by that time. I will never forget that night when my father beat my mother so much and she screamed in the, uh, during that whole night. And I was very young. By that time, I was only eight. And then my father kicked her out of the house. I still recall her voice and her screaming and, and when my dad was telling her to go out of the house. So that was the time that uh, she went out of the house in the midst of the night uh, because my father was drunkard. And then, uh, so when she went, she left me in the house with all my siblings. And then, uh, uh, but afterwards, all my elder 
brothers and sisters went out of the house because they could not uh, afford to be with our stepmom, uh, who was very harsh to us and who abused us so much. And I was left in the house by myself afterwards because I had to help with, uh, we, I had to help my father to be able to clean the house and do each and every kind of work together with my stepmom. So I was there for some time from the age of eight. I could cook food. I could wash plates. I could fetch water like uh, two kilometers away from our house. Uh, I could do all the dishes and I could, you know, do all the laundries. But at the end of the day, I was denied even lunch, even any other kind of food. I cannot forget a day uh, when I cooked food uh, at home. And I was cooking food for, 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 for our dog. We had dogs at home. And you know, our African dogs are, are very different from the American dogs or from the Western country dogs, whereby for us, dogs keep outside. And they don't eat food uh, from the main, you know, they eat crumbs. So, uh, and they, we don't cook them food like the food that... Uh, uh, people eat. They, they, we cook food that is gotten uh, like from the trashes and all these other things. So, so my dad brought this food and uh, I, I cooked this food for the dog. And then I, uh, because I was hungry, I had already cooked for my mom and my dad. And then she denied me food. And then I went to eat on the food on the dog's food. And when I eat on the dog's food, she found me behind. Uh, trying to uh, eating from the dog's plate, and she beat me almost to death. And that is the time that uh, the following day, that's the time that I ran away from my father's house at the age of eight. And then I decided to go to my grandmother's place, who was not living very far away from us. Uh, but I went to live with her for two years. And then after two years living with her, she was also very poor, poor to the level that even the poorest people in our community could call us poor. So uh, she raised me for two years. And then uh, uh, after being with her for two years, by that time I was 10, then I came to discover that also my grandmama was so poor that she could not even take care of me. So being with her, no, no, no. Uh, my I lived with my father from the age of eight to 10. And then from the age of 10 to 12, is when I lived with my grandmother. I'm sorry for that. So I lived with my grandmother from the age of 10 to 12. And then uh, after the age of 12, then I saw that my grandmother could not even take care of me. I remember the, something that I cannot forget in life that she had on one dress so she could uncover herself in the night and put that, that dress on me to cover me up, uh, sleeping on the mat on the floor muddy floor and then she could cover me using her dress that she used it to 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 have the only dress she had in life and she could uncover me very early in the morning and then she could put it on to go to work so after realizing that life was very hard for me then i made up my mind to go and rent my own house at the age of 12. so in brief i became a man at the age of 12. So that is the time that I went to rent my own house, first house. I had to work. I have done each and every kind of job. So from 12 to 14, life was very hard. I had known 
about Christ by that time because I had already known about Christ when while I was in my elementary. But then from the age of 12 to 14, because now I had joined the high school, the, but life was very demanding. I had worked each and every, I had served each and everywhere until when I found out that life was very demanding and I couldn't move on any longer. So what happened is that I went to my school and the devil told me to commit suicide by that time. So I had to wait for all the students to go out of the school by that time in the evening because we had two different shifts. So the evening shift was at 6 p.m. So I had to wait for all the students to go out of the school. And after each and everyone left, I thought that I was the only person in the school by that time. And I planned to commit suicide under the mango tree in, in my school. So planning to commit suicide, um, I never knew that Jesus loved me enough that he was not even late, that he was right under the mango tree waiting for me. So getting my rope, putting it on in my neck, to commit suicide, before I committed suicide, I hanged myself. There, guess who came up? One of the students who was my classmate by the names of Richard. Richard found me right at that time of committing suicide. And he screamed and told me that, Daniel, what are you trying to do? I told him that I was going to commit suicide, but it was also evident because I still had the rope. So Richard told me that, no, you don't need to commit suicide. He told me, you need to give your life to the Lord. So he was leading the scripture union at my school. So Richard preached to me. And then I accepted Jesus as my personal savior right under that mango tree where I was going to commit suicide. Jesus waited for me right under that mango tree. And he redeemed my life right under that mango tree. And he loved me enough. That's why. I committed myself to serve him all the rest of my life because he loved me too much that he was not even late to come and rescue my life. So Richard preached to me and he told me how Jesus loved me. And then I accepted Jesus as my personal savior. But then afterwards, I told Richard that I have no home. I'm abandoned. I'm rejected. I'm forgotten. I don't have anybody to, I don't have anyone to call a father. I don't have anybody to, to, I have no identity. I'm just like a vagabond in the world. I don't have any hope. I don't have any future. So Richard told me uh, that, uh, yeah, I told Richard that after I received the Christ, what next? Because I found out that the reason why I was going to commit suicide was because I had gone through very hard life. And then I needed to have a sense of belonging and an identity. So I told Richard that, but I don't have a home. I don't have a family. That's why I was going to commit suicide. So Richard told me that, no, let me take you to my father's house. So Richard took me to his daddy's house and got into this house at the age of 14. They received me gladly. It was the first time for me to hear the, the word that Daniel, you are one of our sons at the age of 14. So this gentleman brought me into the house and he received me as his own son. They were six. They, 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 uh, uh, we had, they had all other four other children and plus the two parents. So we became six. I, I was the seventh in the family. So he told me, Daniel, you are going to be, you are now one of our sons. And then he, they invited me to go 
and dine with them. That was the first time to be able to have dining, to, to dine with other people uh, like a family. So he had a bed and then he told Richard, he had a bunk bed, then he told Richard that Richard, you, you don't, you are going to move from the bunk bed and you're going to use the lower bed and let your brother Daniel, because now he was talking about brother, your brother Daniel, but I could not even imagine that I was a son in that house. So he told me that your, your brother Daniel now is going to use the, the upper bed. And they, they put on a mattress, they put on bed sheets, they put on a pillow. Pastor Mark, I tell you that when I slept on that first mattress in life, at the age of 14, I saw the angels coming down from heaven. And I saw the glory of the Lord that whole night. I could not even believe myself that I was in that family, that I was on that bed at the age of 14. So that is how... I came to know Christ more because they were Christians. So they took me to church where they used to go and fellowship from. And they introduced me as one of their sons who, were, who was fostered or adopted into their own family. You know, when you, were an, when you were an orphan, it's always very hard to believe in someone. It is very hard if you have ever gone through something. And whenever someone tells you that you are our son, you always have that tendency like, no, you must be kidding. You must be, uh, it is not true. So this is what I felt. I felt like they were just trying to brag on me and they were just not meaning what they said, but they meant it. So after three months, a calamity uh, occurred in that family that the father had sugar diabetes and then he went to work. He was a businessman. And then when he went to work, he was attacked and then he was rushed to the hospital and he died. And then after his death, we went for a burial. And then after the burial, we came back home. And then as our culture here, when the, the, the bread maker, the, the, the provider dies, so most of the families, what they would do is they divide all the children into different families. So all the children were divided into different families taken by uncles and aunts. And then for me, I had no one to take me in by that time. I just remember even that voice right now, Richard screaming and crying and telling his uncle that let's take Daniel to be with us. And uncle said, where do you know him? Where do you know Daniel? So he drove off and they left me in this abandoned house. So the devil told me right there that so commit suicide. You see, now you are abandoned. You are rejected. Nobody is for you. See how everybody has gone away. And you, you mean nothing in the world. And so I thought of committing suicide again. I got a rope because this was too much on my heart. Because I felt like I was abandoned. I felt like I was rejected. And then, but before I committed suicide, a spirit, a small still voice spoke within my spirit and told me that, Daniel, don't commit suicide. Go back to your grandmother's place. So I walked seven miles from where I was, and then I walked back to my grandmother's house. That was Friday. So Friday, I was in her house. Saturday, I was there. Then Sunday, I got my Gideon New Testament Bible to go to church. And my grandmother told, asked me where I was going, and I told her that I'm going to one of the churches, which was uh, uh, um, a Pentecostal church, I can say, or a born-again Christian church, I can say. And then 
because she had the Catholic background, she told me that, no, you don't have to go to the church. Then I told her that, but you know, this is the church closer to me. And I had already known more about Christ within those period of three months. And then I told her that I, that I had to go to the church. So she told me that, Daniel, if you go to that church, know that you will not be able to come back to my house. I thought that she was just joking because I had just returned home after three days. And then I thought that she, she was just joking, but she meant what she said. So when I went to the church and I came back, I found my plastic bag with two shirts and one shirt outside on the veranda. And she told me that you cannot be in my house. So she kicked me out of the house and I had to get other ways of surviving. So that was very hard for me again. And that even, uh, even if I had just returned back home where I would feel like I, I would be loved and have the sense of belonging, but I was still kicked out of the house. So that was the year 1990. So I went to rent another house by that time, which is another story uh, that as I was on that veranda crying and waiting upon the Lord, then the Lord sent a man uh, that I even never knew much, but he came to me and told me that, Daniel, somebody told me that you came back after three months. Remember, for the three months that I was not in my community, nobody even dared to ask where I was. So after I came back, then the rumors were all around that Daniel has come back, but nobody knew where I was coming from. So this guy told me that, Daniel, uh, may you please help me and stay in my house? He was a businessman, so he had to go to do some business, some trade somewhere. So he left me. I said, absolutely, I will stay in the house. So he went and uh, he left me into his one bedroom in the house. And that is when, when he went, he was there for over three months. And that gave me a lot of time to be able to work and be able to, to get more money. By the time he came back, I had already worked and saved the money for my next rent. And that is how God helped me. So from there, I continually went to this church. And in the year 1992, two years after that, then I felt the spirit within me, just a voice of God telling me to go to Kenya. And I went to Kenya to Nairobi for my first mission. I never knew anybody in the country of Kenya and Nairobi. I just went by faith. I went to Nairobi. I had never gone out of my country. I had no idea of Kenya. I boarded a bus, uh, 14 hours drive, and I went to the country of Kenya. So from there, I was received by one of the pastors who did not even allow me to sleep in his home. He took me to the elder's house and I was there. And then he told me that he was going to bring me back to the country. Because I was young, he told me that you must have been lost. How did you come? I told him stories that he could not even explain. I just told him that I felt like the voice telling me to come to Nairobi to preach. He told me which church. I told him, I don't know. So he was like, you must be crazy. So he told me that he was going to get me a ticket because I never even had money to come back home. The only money that I had was to take me to Kenya, but I had no transport to get me back to Uganda. So he told me that tomorrow I'll get a ticket for you, a bus ticket for you to be able to come back to your country more 14 hours. But God is so good that before he did that, that he gave me an opportunity to go and preach on one of the crusades on the streets in Nairobi. 
And when I went to preach, many people gave their lives to the Lord on the streets of Nairobi. And the report was brought back to him, to the pastor. And they told him that the evangelist from Uganda preached the message and many people have given their lives to the Lord. And God healed so many people on the streets. And this pastor told me the next day to go and continue preaching. And then he himself came to see what was happening on one of the streets in Nairobi. That's why I love the gospel. That's why I love preaching the gospel. So when he came, so many people came. It was a mass. So many people came and many people gave their lives to the Lord. And this pastor from there, he did not take me back to the elder's house, but he brought me to his house. And on Sunday, he declared in the church that he was organizing a seminar for me for one week. And that was the year 1992. So 1993, that is when I went to Tanzania, still the same story to Dar es Salaam. And I, I had a very big crusade over there preaching about Christ. And, 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 and I was passionate. I was passionate about people knowing Christ because I could remember where God got me from. And that is when I went to Rwanda in 1994, the story that I'll be sharing in the near future, as you say it. <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering how our listeners are just taking this all in. I know your story, Pastor Daniel, and I'm hearing it again. I'm just like, this is incredible. Uh, this is why we support you. And uh, because you are a man of faith, it's so obvious. God's hand is on you, Daniel. And uh, wow, you've taken me to that mango tree at that school where the Lord saved you, and I will never forget that. And to just walk the streets, you know, where you, uh, it came to Jesus, and he just led you by the hand. This is just so miraculous and so beautiful. The backstory, and we haven't even really got into your ministry yet, of what God has led you to. But for that person right now that feels like they're, you know, just so discouraged, Daniel, and uh, they feel like giving up, uh, the Lord met you, what would you say to them? Just that listener out there right now who needs some encouragement, maybe they just feel like they're 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 about ready to just, you know, they can't go on any further. What would you say to that person? Yeah, I would say that God is real. Because Pastor Mark, I've seen God. Uh, I have seen God. I mean, I don't even know how I can explain to people that God is real but I've seen the invisible hand of God working in my life, miraculously. And I can tell you, and I can tell whoever hears this message that God can do a miracle. God is so wonderful. I love Jesus. I told Jesus that I will serve you as long as I live. I just want to tell somebody that God is right beside you. You don't even know how much Jesus loves you. If he was right under the mango tree waiting for me, I never knew that. I, I thought that nobody was at the school. But forgetting that Jesus was right under the mango tree waiting for me, that is the touch. That is the feel. That is what I feel, that Jesus is omnipresent. He's everywhere. So he, he read my... He read my, 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 my plans and he got to know what I was intending to do. And he, he, he found out that it was not uh, 
uh, it wasn't it wasn't godly and he had purposed to use me because i know that that is the 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 purpose behind my creation so he knew that if i die i would lose the focus and i would lose the purpose why he called me and i had to fulfill the god given purpose so he he came into to help my life to be a testimony and also to help others so i just want to encourage somebody that you don't even know how much the lord can help Mm-hmm. that he's right where you are and within you there is a god-given purpose and that purpose has to manifest and god will never take you home without accomplishing that mission so don't give up just wait upon the lord he's right there he might not be physically visible but i know that he's right there with you he cannot forsake you he cannot fail you if he was able to bring my hand up and bring me back on the surface when i was drowning down into the deep waters and he got hold of my hand and brought me back on the surface he can still bring you back on the surface don't give up stand still and you see the salvation of the lord amen i think of psalm 121 verse 1 i know you know this psalm pastor daniel i lift my eyes to the mountains where does my help come from My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I tell you what, Pastor Daniel, why don't you close out this session by just praying for some right now that just need, you know, that help. Uh, They may be crying out to the Lord. And uh, would you just uh, bring some people to Jesus right now and close out our time? Yeah, thank you. Father, Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you for your masses because the Bible says that your masses endures forever. You are so beautiful, Lord. You are so wonderful. You are so precious, mighty God, miracle-working God. Father, I pray for someone all the way from Africa and I pray for my brother and I pray for my sister who is going through a very tough time right now. Maybe he or she does not even know what to do, does not even know what the next step would be. This person is just at the crossroad, perplexed, asking him or herself what to do. I bring him before you. I bring her before you, Father. I pray for this somebody. And I just want to say, Lord Jesus, King of glory, that the mercy and the favor of God that fell on me. Let that favor fail on this, on my brother and on my sister. Lord Jesus, King of glory, as I received Christ as my personal savior, I also pray for my brother and my sister who has been uh, worn out, almost running away, almost giving up. I pray for him in the name of Jesus and I pray for salvation to come forth before him in the name of Jesus. I believe and I know, Lord Jesus, King of glory, that somebody believes with his heart and confess with his mouth. And Lord, I pray that this somebody may be able to receive you as his personal savior. I know and I believe that you are right there. May you help. May you redeem. May you give hope to the hopeless. Help this person, Father, and help the mother, help the father, help the children, help the youth, help the church leaders, Lord, help the church elders, Father. 
help those who really felt like they wanted to give up. Let them not give up on you, but let them stand still to be able to see the salvation of the Lord. I thank you and I glorify you through the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Daniel, for telling us your story. You know, Psalm 107 verse 2 says this, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. I hope you've been encouraged today, inspired, blessed by Pastor Daniel's story. Here's your one action step of the day. I don't want you to miss out on this. If you haven't done this yet, go to 360serve.org and sign up for the good news updates. I get so many people telling me they can't wait for this update every single week. I promise you, we won't bombard you with a bunch of emails. We'll send you just one awesome, inspirational, amazing God story of the week. Something that God has done through his indigenous church planners in all these countries that you are supporting. To sign up, just go to 360serve.org. Thanks so much for being with us today. See you next episode as we'll hear from Pastor Daniel sharing the story of his wife, Erica. I can't wait for you to meet her. And you're going to learn how she escaped from this Rwandan genocide, how they met, eventually got married. It's an incredible story. Until then, may the Lord bless you.